This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have the illustrious Kathy Sharp Ross. She's the CEO and founder of the Sharp Alliance. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing great, and I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for um, coming on today. I know you're extremely busy because you have your own podcast and a book as well, right? I think we can see it behind reInvent. Yeah, reInvent your life. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Amazing. So, well, let's get into it. How do you reInvent your life? And tell us about, you know, everything behind the Sharp Alliance, the book, the podcast. You know, let's get into it. Where do we begin? So I'm kind of excited to be having this conversation. I'm very excited, I should say. It's it's fun to be able to sit back sometimes and talk about some of the things that you've accomplished. I think a lot of us don't necessarily have an opportunity to do that and recognize and pat ourselves on the back sometimes for all that we have accomplished. I think most people tend to be critical of what they're not doing, what they're not getting to do. And is probably a big inspiration for why I created the book, Reinvent Your Life, the brand Reinvention Exchange, which is a website and platform that hosts a lot of content and conversations and stories and anecdotes and links to other great, amazing and inspiring people and companies that give people a sense of direction of what they could be doing with their lives. I'm blessed because 30 or 34-ish years ago, I started my own company, the Sharp Alliance, and that company is all about marketing and branding and business development and producing events. And I'm a connector. I collect people and I connect people for mm-hmm. a living and put together incredibly creative and fun campaigns and initiatives with all of our clients. And through the years, people so often would say to me, you're so lucky. Look at your life. You get to do what you want, where you want, how you want, probably making money. You're successful. You're having fun. You've always got a smile on your face and you're doing cool stuff. And I really sort of took for granted that this is just what I do. I created what I wanted. I may have been fortunate to have parents that set me on the path to be entrepreneurial and believe I could do anything I wanted, but I worked my tush off. And so there was no luck in that. And it was hard work, but it was having a sense of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. 
coming out of college, I was pretty clear I didn't want to go work for somebody and sit at a desk nine to five and wear one of those like skirt suits with a little bow tie mm-hmm. kind of necklines and you know, I just, I felt. Those like are all called people. pussy bows, by the way. You is know? that what they are? Okay, yes. thank you. Yes, one of those. I was like, that is not me. I need to. How did you know me. that, though? Did you, did you like work while you're in high school or college, like part time in one of these things? Or like, you TV know, made I made it look so bad. You know, I think a bit of both. But I did have a little experience. I was a very free spirit. I grew up traveling and living around the world. I knew that the world was a lot bigger than the four walls of the city I was living in. And I think I just had a very big, wide, large perspective of what was out there. And it was made me curious. It made me adventurous. It made me want some of or all of that in my life in some way. And so when I was graduating and everybody was going on those Arthur Anderson interviews, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I had a jewelry business that I started in college. So I was already an entrepreneur, making, creating, selling, had a sales organization and doing business and generating revenue that way. I had a an apparel splash paint apparel, think like Jackson Pollock kind of look. I was doing flash dance style off the shoulder sweatshirts with splash paint on them. And I was just being creative and making money doing it. So I already kind of started to have this bug in me of like, I'm going to just do and create what I want and try to make a living at it. So I had that entrepreneurial kind of bug. And then was looking at people going on these interviews in those suits and those clothes and just going, yeah, that's not me. I don't want to do that or be that. Um, how do I make money? How do I have a career? And I studied communications and business. So I knew I wanted to do PR or marketing or something in that realm. And I started out very early working for a small agency, sort of one-on-one learning firsthand from this brilliant, amazing, lovely woman named Jacqueline Green, who was British, who just like had the rule book down. I learned kind of like from the best of the best. And loved the notion of promoting, telling other people's stories, helping put them on a platform, figuring out how to make other people successful. I kind of got a lot of joy out of that sort of track. So I very quickly pivoted and started my own company. And I was getting married, which is why it's so easy for me to remember how old my business is, because it's the same age as my marriage. And I signed four, I think four clients, and then went on a six-week honeymoon and came back to sort of a business that I was about to start. So I very quickly built a business that started as a public relations agency and then continued to grow that into marketing, branding, doing events. But I kept looking at my clients' business going, that's great. We got you in the New York Times or you were on the Today Show, but are we really moving the needle on your business? And what Mm -hmm. else could we be doing? So I was curious. I was very self-taught. I was learning a lot. I was hiring people around me that I felt we could like really, you know, develop more for these clients. And if they needed those services, we started implementing those services. And we just kind of kept growing the business and offering more services in our business. Ultimately, I pulled the PR piece out of it because I was like, if I never talk to a reporter or a journalist, and just focus on building people's businesses, I'll be a lot happier and probably a bit wealthier. 
and started really um, leaning into the sponsorship business, which gave me a chance to generate revenue, put deals together that had numbers attached to them. So instead of getting a great story on the Today Show, I was getting, getting a great deal put together for a partner or a client that had revenue attached to it. And mm-hmm. there was an annuity in that. There were multi-year deals. There was a check showing up every month. So all of a sudden, I started to look at the economics of my business. Saying, and how long hey, is this in into your business that you were doing that? That was probably 10 years into it. Okay, so started, you were doing PR for the most part. Yeah, yeah, 10, yeah, 10 to 12 years. Um, I was actually approached at that probably the 15-year mark by a wonderful animation kids family entertainment company that asked me to work on a couple of projects with them. And I said, I'd love to. And they said, no, we don't mean like as a consultant, we mean come in house and work with us. And I said, well, that would be lovely, but I run my own company and I have no desire. And they started offering me very, very handsome salaries. I had two little children at home that were, I think at the time, one and three or two and two and five or something. And my husband said, you know what, honey, like, give it a try. You've never worked for yourself. I mean, you've never worked for somebody else. And you've got two kids at home. And maybe it'd be easier not to bring them home with you every night. Well, famous last words, right? So they offered me a ridiculous salary. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So that 15 years into my career, I took a step back. Took about six months to wind down my business, help all my employees find other jobs, parcel off my clients to other people. And I had just come off working on the World Cup soccer. Coca-Cola was a client at the time we'd been working with for years. It was such an interesting opportunity to just kind of take a step back and go, to try something different. And I did. Um, I spent about six to eight months there before I realized it really wasn't what I wanted. I was so used to being the master of my own domain, in charge, yeah. being a free spirit, running things the way I wanted to run them. Great company, great people, but suddenly I had to answer to somebody. Yeah. I never had that before. Yeah. And, your and, and thoughts are not implemented. They were like, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not going to do it. A whole different dynamic. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, yeah. this is very different. And we worked on some incredible campaigns and really profound family and entertainment properties. And it was a lot of fun. But I learned a lot about myself. And, you know, when you're sitting running your own business, you're always going, hmm, is the grass green on the other side? Mm-hmm. What would it be like if I had a nine to five job and had benefits and didn't have to worry about the existing clients and the new business and running the business and, you know, all the things we do when we run our own companies. So there was always a bit of me that was kind of curious. Um, but I learned very quickly that I really was happy. And I think this is part of the ability to discover and potentially reinvent parts of our lives is that discovery. So I played in that space for a while. I was then approached by an incredible company, another agency, who said, we need someone to run our West Coast business. And it was an agency very much modeled after what I had been doing. And I thought, wow, if I could go back to doing what I love doing, have my own P&Ls, run a West Coast division for this company, leverage all that they are and all that they're doing, this could be the new model. So I leaned into that. And after a period of time, you know, so I spent about a year, just over a year and a half 
at this one animation kids family company then negotiated with these guys and went and worked with them for a year um about a year into it i felt the same way like why am i answering to someone why am i having to tell someone that i'm going to hawaii not that i may i go to hawaii but tell yeah. them that i'm going and i was like there's only one person i want to really have that relationship with and that's my husband yeah i don't want to have to have that with anybody and yeah. it's the free spirit in me and so at that juncture, after spending a year and a half then with those guys, I went back to running my own business. And when I came back to running my own business, I was able to sit back and really go, okay, in this new incarnation of running my own company, how big is big? How small is small? What do I really want to focus on? What do I really love doing? Really started to look at my values what was important to me, where I was going to make money, where the noise was, and how to really get focused. And that's when this incarnation of the Sharp Alliance was formed and went just head forth, you know, headstrong into really recreating my business. And so, but it was a little bit different though. So you, you had your business, you left for two jobs where you were reporting to other people for like two and a half years. And then you're yeah. like, you know what, now I got to start all over yeah. again. Yeah. So at that point, I was older, wiser, had a bigger Rolodex, knew a lot more and yeah. said, okay, I can be more of an advisor, more of a consultant, streamline what I want to be focused on and what we want to do as a company. And the real focus became around partnership marketing, helping companies build their brands, being almost like a fraction CMO for many, being able to on the advisory side, be able to really help them figure out their brand strategies and their core business competence and help build these partnerships that would build their businesses. With them. And that's really what we are as a company to do. Um, so I wear a lot of hats. I have a lot of insights of what across probably every single industry except for politics, for obvious reasons, we want to be a part of that. <laughs> and I find what's really exciting is, you know, when you're able to kind of borrow from what you know in the sports world and bring it to the family entertainment world, what you're doing in the luxury industry and bring it to the sports industry. And when you really have, I think, the time and the breadth of the Rolodex of, you know, that spans now 34 years, you can be more creative. You are a voice in a room that people want to listen to you. And you have a lot of equity in what you've built up, which in my case is really where I am today. And about 12, 13 years ago, people were saying to me, as I mentioned earlier, wow, you're so lucky you live this life on life. You do all these great things. You make money. Da, da, da. And I said, it's not luck. It's hard work. And I realized so many people don't realize that they, in fact, can live the lives they want. They just don't know. Someone hasn't told them or they don't believe in themselves enough or they don't think they have the tools to make those decisions, let alone lean into that life. And it got me into this whole conversation and really kind of reflecting on this ability to reinvent your life in some way. Mm -hmm. And I was given the tools, I believe, by my parents and life experiences to feel that way. So if I could give others those tools, would they be able to sort of put on those rose-colored glasses for five minutes and look at their life in a different way? So therein started the conversations and the blogs and the articles and all that I was kind of really starting to reflect on about the invention. 
I was handling a women's conference, the We the We Summit, W-I-E, which is Women, Inspiration, and Enterprise. And Donna Karen and Ariana Huffington and Sarah Brown were all a part of this incredible first time conference in New York. Yep, that's the D's were all part of. Right, exactly. And the brilliant Dee Poku, who just continues to do incredible work. And um, we were having dinner at Cipriani the night before with just kind of the core group that were involved. And I was sitting next to Ariana Huffington at dinner. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about um, writing a book about reinventing your life. And I would love to write a blog for the Huffington Post. And she says, oh, darling, you know, here's my number. Make sure you call me and we'll start doing that. And sure enough, within days literally set me up with her editor and I started writing a regular weekly blog for the Huffington Post about reinventing your life, inspiration, other people's stories, tools and tips, you know, really just kind of getting the content out. And that was me really leaning in for the first time. I created a website, kind of built a platform to start really like posting all of this content started doing blogs, reaching out to different PR venues and really kind of looking at ways to just perpetuate this conversation. And I was like, God, I'm going to write a book and I may as well get this going. So fast forward many years later, because I was juggling children and a business and a few other things in my life, I you know, finally got around to it. But in the process, interviewed hundreds of amazing men and women from all walks of life, all stations of life, you know, from CEOs to housewives and everything in between, and really started to gather incredible knowledge and insights on what it is that makes people tick and those aha moments that we have, whether they're from adversity or opportunity. And, you know, really it's fascinating when you start to have these conversations and you realize how many people don't hear themselves having that disgruntled, concerning moment in life. They don't pause to reflect on it. They don't listen to that knowing feeling that something's amiss or awry or wishing that they could do something, but then sweeping it under the rug. And instead of leaning into it, they sweep it under the rug and they turn the other way and they keep doing something. And then 10 years later, go, I can't believe I'm still doing this advice. Right. Whether it's in relationships or business or it's spiritual or health or whatever that is. So I really set out to make this book fun, lighthearted, anecdotal, take all the conversations that I've had, all the learnings I've had, the expertise from others around me, and wrote this book. And you know, ironically, the pub date was March 7th of 2020, as we were all just being sent home to, you know, get lost behind our computers. Yeah. And it was kind of the great irony of it all, because I've been working on this for so long. And all of a sudden, it became the guidebook for now. Everybody yeah. was forced to pause and think about their lives and what they were doing and who they were sitting in a house with for months or an apartment with for months on end and going, is this a relationship I want? Is this the job that I want? Is am I taking care of myself? I mean, it was the big pause, right? And so it was not lost on me, the irony of all that. I was quite blessed, Quincy Jones, who I've had the great pleasure of doing a number of projects with, wrote the forward for my book. And that was like a really special thing for me. And I had some incredible 30 incredible people featured, their stories are featured in the book. And there were power tools in there, 26 power tools that like help people kind of like, you know, create these 
these exercises to figure out where, where they're at, what they want to be doing, what they could be doing, and sort of put them on their journey. So I leaned into it, did a ton of virtual chats, panels, keynotes, and everything, and launched the podcast called The Power of Reinvention um, about a year and a half ago, and I've been a beautiful hundreds of amazing people over the course of the last four years. So I think what's sort of come together in all of this now is the the business, the growth, my own experience, other people's stories, and being able to help people understand that they can create what they want. And the tools to do it aren't always readily apparent. Sometimes sometimes there's way too much information out there and we don't know which way to turn. But it starts with knowing that we're entitled to the, the kind of life that we want. Right. And for a lot of people, knowing that is a really great starting place. And how did you distill it to like 26 things? Like this is just after collecting research and data? It was a number of things. And, and I've never been asked that question. And I'm like, how did I get to 26? <laughs> you know, I, I think Good, that, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm yeah, the first to ask it, you. Maybe it could have been more. It could have been less. I just want to go back to that big box of paper and go, how did we land on this? But it really spoke to the core issues and topics that I address in the book that um, come up in interviews that you start to recognize. There was one of the power tools came, very compelling conversation. I had an interview that's in the book. It's been on the podcast with Brad Jakeman, who at the time was just leaving his role as president of PepsiCo Beverages. And he said some very interesting things, not only about his journey of leaving, but, you know, one being when you're attached to a title of a company and you leave and you are no longer that title, does the phone stop ringing? Do the yeah. invitations stop coming? Does your identity come into question? Yes to all of the above, right? Yeah, I did. That's the same thing when I left Rock Nation. I was like, oh my God, is anybody going to even like call me? Right. You know, it's like, and then you find out who really, you know, cares and it really matters. And right. No, it's a very, very telling experience. Yeah. And and we know that. And what overrode that for him was the value and the importance of being true to yourself. At the end of the day, does that stuff really matter mm-hmm. when you have an option to be true to yourself and who you want to be? And yes, maybe we need to be at a certain place in our lives to really even understand that, accept that, believe it, feel it, want it. But when you get to that place and you start questioning, why am I getting on a plane every other week? Why am I not with my family? Am I really doing what I love? What do I really value in? Is this what I really want to look back on in 10, 20 years from now and say, wow, I'm so glad this is what I have been doing with my life. Or am I going to say, wow, what a waste. Now I'm X, Y, Z age. How can I reinvent my career at this point or whatever that was in my life? So checking in with ourselves and questioning what we value and sort of making those columns and saying, okay, this is what I value. This is what I'm doing. This is where I need to be is really important. And I think each conversation that I had, each interview that I did, the things that I knew after years of writing blogs and content and what spurred on a lot of discussion and feedback in that output that I was doing enabled me to really zero in on the things that people needed help with. 
and Mm -hmm. needed those tools to help them assess the mess, if you will, and figure out, take inventory, think about things differently, question what they're doing. So throughout the book, those tools kind of like come up and I say so often, put the book down and go do this. And then like two pages later, I'm like, I wasn't kidding. Put the book down and go do this because we read things like this and we go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we don't do the exercises. And yeah, we so it's more like a textbook, paper. right? right. It's like operates as a textbook as well. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, really do that for yourself. Don't just talk about it. Don't have conversations. But if it really means something to you, know you're entitled and lean into actioning something that you're going to do differently because then you will get different outcomes as mm-hmm. you know. So really just, you know, for me, it's so the way I live my life. Problem, solution, it's the way I run my business. There's a problem or a challenge with a client, we come up with a solution. So we can wallow in it, we can talk about it, we can stress about it, or we can do something about it. I'm all about, let's do something about Sometimes it. Sometimes it's all four of those things. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it really is. So that's kind of been my you know, my trajectory and everything that I do. And I love that there is sort of a modicum of reinvention in all that we do with our clients and business and, you know, an expertise or insights that I gain from everything we do and all the conversations we have because we're constantly in that mode of inspiring people and moving them towards their goals of what they want, Mm -hmm. whether it's personal or business or whatever that is. So I have a lot of fun with it. So let's talk a little bit more about this is all fascinating and the reinvention. I know that some people are going to like, wait a minute, I, I got to get this book because like I know a lot of people going through this after COVID, like they stayed in their jobs and they're just like, I can't, you know, um, and are just, you know, looking for that next thing. But, you know, let's go back to the Sharp Alliance. Like what kind of clients, who do you represent? If people are listening, they want to hire you. I want, you know, people to really understand that part of the business as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for that. We have an amazing array of clients. It's a lot of fun. I feel like this is my playground every day. And um, it's hard work and it's diligence, but sadly or not, we are not curing cancer around here, but we are helping companies achieve their goals and build their brands. And we take that very seriously. So we represent um, an incredible gaming company called Play to It's based out of Israel with 4,000 employees around the world and 30 games in their portfolio and some of the most popular mobile casual games. And we're doing all partnerships for them. And we are, you know, finding like-minded demographics and brands that want to reach their audience and vice versa. So building partnership marketing relationships between them and those brands is um, really what that's about. We work with a company called Pickle Jar. Pickle Jar is this incredible first ever live entertainment app that helps put money in the pocket of emerging artists. It's the largest digital tipping app in the world that sits at the center of emerging artists, fan engagement, venues and clubs around the country, an OTT platform, reach on Cumulus Radio, great content they, they're just launching, Reach TV, which is putting the content in airports around the country, and really supporting the emerging artist community, which is a really beautiful space to be able to support, bringing on brands and corporate partners that want to be the hero of, of really growing that community and supporting them financially. So 
that's a pretty extraordinary one. It's a startup that raised from the money. They're in the Series A, and we're working with them on all sides of that, kind of really busting out the Rolodex of history of relationships that I never thought I'd get to tap into in this way, but we're having a lot of fun with that. Um, we're working with uh, Toys R Us. We're helping put Toys R Us back on the map. And we're working with them. Um, we were brought on board with this incredible agency called Knowing, K-N-O-W-N, that brought us in to help build out and develop a touring show with Jeffrey the Giraffe and Jeffrey's tour across America and touring out across the country and actually building out this incredible connected PR experience, taking, you know, brands that want to kind of connect with families across the country. So that's a late summer program. We're working with sports clients. We're working with um, parent, parenting, kind of the parenting space. We work with real estate projects, mixed-use real real estate, like Ovation, which is the old Hollywood and Highland project, where we've done a ton in the real estate and malls, touring shows, music space, and we really just kind of cover the gamut, clients in the luxury and travel industry. So, you know, it's very, very diverse and depends on, you know, where we're at, different clients at different stages, different partnership marketing, sponsorship programs, and helping build those brands. So it's quite a diverse portfolio. So you will go out. (laughs) So you'll go out and somebody is like, I want a partnership or sponsorship. Can you find people to, to do these kinds of things? Right. Correct. Correct. So we have a very deep, rich history of relationships with major global companies, fortune 500 brands, fortune 1000 brands. Um, we find the right brands for the right properties. You know, we have a lot of people who come to and say, I'm doing a tour or I've got a project and I need partners and I think Starbucks would be fantastic. Right. No, Starbucks really will be fantastic from their point of view. You are so not a fit for what they're up to. I know you look at them and you say, wow, I'd love to be in every Starbucks and I'd love to leverage who they are. But let me tell you who would be a good fit for you. Yeah. And this is why. So we look at the criteria of what that company is trying to accomplish and who the most like-minded brands are that have overlapping criteria, overlapping demographic reach, overlapping mission statements, overlapping philosophical statements. You know, that's what you look for to start with. And so we do the diligence. We do our homework. We put the proper financial valuations around what those relationships could be and should be worth. When someone comes to me as they have and said, I've got a touring show, I need $10 million, does not mean you're going to go over $10 million in value to brands. Right. You need it to produce the show, to mount it, to tour it. It doesn't mean that's the value you're delivering. So we have to reverse engineer that and say, let's look at where we can create value for those brands. What are you going to do for them? What stages are they going to be on? What marketing are you going to do? What meet and greets? What photo ops, what will that artist, band, whoever it is, do for them? Where's the content creation? Where's, you know, all of the activity? How can you leverage that IP in your world, in your media, with your constituents? That's how you create value. And so we look at it from both sides and we try to find the best. It's like matchmaking. It's corporate matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Which, it's like which can be like a dating yeah. app. Yeah. <laughs> 
So if you have, you know, a lot of the people listening and the listeners are, you know, female founded companies, then they're probably a little smaller. What stage can you come to the Sharp Alliance and get your attention? <laughs> Look, I love nothing more than to mentor people or help small companies build and grow. I feel like paying it forward is the greatest thing I can do. I grew up in an era where we really didn't have Albright and Chief and Luminosity and all these incredible women's organizations, the female, you know, the female quotient, the Covey Club. I mean, you know, we can on two hands, amazing organizations that support these conversations today. I grew up just knowing what I wanted and just doing it. I never thought that I could ask for less money or should ask for less money. I believed my in my worth, and that was that. It was not a conversation. So mm-hmm. I had no reason to question it. Yeah, I just did it. And I love being able to come from that place and be able to pay that forward to others. And I think it's extraordinary that we have these incredible organizations and rooms that we can be in and learn from, people we can talk to, and sit on stages with and have these shared conversations. So nobody is too small to come to me to have a conversation about what it is they're trying to do, whether or not we can be engaged because of the way our business model is, is, you know, always a conversation. Right. There's an opportunity for me to invest in people's companies, for me to invest our agency time in type of people's companies or companies are at a place where there's, you know, They've got the revenue to be able to engage us the way they're accustomed to being engaged. And if it's revenue that is back end, like sponsorship, there's plenty of ways for everybody to build and grow again. Right. So I'm always open to any conversation. Okay. You know, I just I feel that you still gotta make your money. Unless, yeah, I gotta make money and run a business and help support the family. And uh-huh. I love what I do, but there is there's always a wonderful opportunity to to explore that. And I right. love being able to have those conversations with you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything. I can't believe it's already been like time. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, wait, wait, I just look, I love that I've had the chance to share some of this with you and, and certainly hope that, you know, for the audience listening, um, there's some nugget of something in there that just helps you take it away and, and reinvent your life in some amazing way. Oh, I definitely know that that everyone's going to find that super fascinating. Um, But I do ask everyone one question at the very end, and that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? You know, I thought it was the worst advice I've ever received when I received it, because I so could not understand it. It probably turned out to be the best advice, which is quite ironic. I have a very good friend who was quite a high-level executive at a studio. And this was probably 15 years ago. And we were, you know, commiserating on how hard we were. And she said to me, you know what? You need to stop working so hard. You need to stop giving so much of yourself to your clients. You need to learn when to put the pen down at the end of the day with the phone down. And try it for a month and see whether it makes a difference to your clients because odds are it won't. And I just couldn't understand that. Like I'm a 24 seven person. I'm a lean in when they call, when they ring, you know, like that's just the way I run my business. I'm available. 
If I'm not, I'll get right back to you, you know. So to me, it was the worst advice I'd ever received. I was like, okay, that may work for you. You work at a company. You don't understand, Mm -hmm. you know, right? But I tried it. And I tried to even just remind myself in those moments where maybe I could have to just lean back instead of lean in for a moment at 10 o'clock at night or on a weekend or, yeah, go work out at 6 p.m. Don't stay in the office till 8 p.m. or go to your kids or do whatever. And I was like, I think it took me years to realize that I, you know, I really did start to adapt a little bit of that. And there was a lot of guilt attached to it. Yeah. So it was hard for me to calibrate that being who I was. Yeah. I thought it was the worst advice, but I think in fact it enabled me to start to calibrate my life. Leave it to Kathy to turn worst <laughs> advice into the best advice. <laughs> No, it's definitely good advice because you need it. You need your space and time to like, to, you know, to to think, you know. And I think we all do. I think we need to like give ourselves that grace. And it took me, it took me a while to understand. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for all of this. Tell me um, and tell everyone if they want to get in touch with you and find you and, you know, where do they find the Sharp Alliance? Where do they find the book? Where do they find the podcast? You got it. So easy LinkedIn, Kathy Sharp Ross, Kathy with a K and an I, Sharp Ross. Um, Sharp Alliance, not the Sharp Alliance, but sharpalliance.com is the website. So there's a lot of background on our company there. And it's sharp with an E, right? Sharp with an E, S-H-A-R-P-E Alliance. And the book and all things reinvention can be found at thereinventionexchange.com. And on Instagram, where you can also kind of find all words that lead to me, which is Kathy SR, a little confusing, chief reinventor on Instagram. So pretty much all social media platforms. Um, and the podcast is The Power of Reinvention on all platforms and the books on Amazon, or I can send you a signed copy if you want one. And that's available through the reinventionexchange.com. So I'm pretty out there. Same phone Amazing. number and email I've had forever. So I love um, it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And I hope to hear from any and all of you that want to know more, learn more, get inspired, do business. And Jennifer, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next week or yeah, no, until next Wednesday. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.